Welcome to the Emmaus Fellowship Teaching Podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's word with us. Gave me a voice and a song Taught me how to sing So this morning, I wanted to take the liberty of just sharing some thoughts with you. And and one of those thoughts that I had was to point out this juxtaposition of the powerful arm of Christ, the great and glorious one who takes away the sins of the world, and the reality that Jesus is a humble servant who seeks to find those who are lost, the lamb who was slain, who takes away the sins of the world. It's okay for us to hold those dynamics at the same time because they're true about Jesus. He is all-powerful. He is also a humble servant. And so over the last few weeks, I've been studying, of all things, the book of Revelation. I know, go figure. And, um, and what, I'm, uh, what I'm moving towards with this, for, it's just a personal study. It's just a personal like aha moment with the Lord and the scripture where I'm realizing that this book that John wrote while he was on the island of Patmos is a discipleship book. And it's for every single generation, including the intended audience of the seven churches that he wrote the book to. And it extends to us because we find ourselves in the same pressures that they found themselves and, uh, and we have the same anticipation and hope for the coming Christ, the advent of Christ, not only at his birth, but also at his second coming, at his uh, victorious reign and rule. And so um, we see this juxtaposition of the powerful arm of Jesus Christ and the humility of Christ in the book of Revelation, actually. And, and so I wanted to start by reading some scripture. Are you okay with that? Can we get into the word just a little bit? Like, let it, let, let it just pour over us. Let the word of Christ that was given to John speak to us, Revelation 1, 5, and then I'll, I'll read 8, and then I'll move down into verses 12 and 16, through 16. Again, the image of Christ. I want you to get this, because here's the deal. If we can't reconcile this juxtaposition of Christ being all-powerful and a, and a humble servant then we will typically choose one or the other. And I will say this bluntly, we become the God we worship. And if you have a sense in your heart that God is wrathful, that God in some way would justify violence, then guess what you're going to become? Oh, but if you recognize Christ as the humble servant and you recognize, guess who you're going to become? Like, it's just this dynamic that we become what we behold. And I think that we can behold both and 
that it's not either or. There's a dynamic of the power of God revealed in the man Christ Jesus that is manifested through his humility. And so let's read this. This is John, or excuse me, yeah, John writing in Revelation 1.5. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sin by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests. This is important. Keep that kind of tucked away. He's made us a kingdom of priests for God, his father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. And it goes down to eight. And this is Jesus speaking. I am the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is and always was and is to come. He is coming, the almighty one. Now let's jump down to verse 12. When I turned to see who was speaking with me, I saw seven golden lampstands, speaking of the churches, um, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the son of man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, and white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire, and his feet were like polished bronze, refined in the furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword, speaking of the word, came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. Can we just say that this is the description of Jesus Christ, the ancient of days? Now I want to move down to Revelation 5. John says, I saw a strong angel who shouted in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals of this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven and on earth or under the earth is able to open the scroll and read it. And I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir of David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I turned and I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. We hear of the lion, we see the lamb. You ever catch that? John hears about this lion of the tribe of Judah, and he turns and he looks, and he sees one as a lamb who was slain. This points to the reality of Jesus' identity as the king of glory and the manifestation and the incarnation of who he is on the earth among mankind as the servant. Who are we in this cosmic reality of God's kingdom on the earth as it is in heaven? Well, he said it here. We are a kingdom of priests. Then the next question then is, how do we manifest this on the earth as the incarnate body of Christ, the church? This reality of God who has joined us in our humanity, he informs how we, the kingdom of priests, who have been given all authority in the name of Jesus, 
we're actually going to win spiritual battles over the hearts of mankind the same way Jesus did. So let me read out of Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So you may hear that Christ followers are a kingdom of priests who rule and reign with Christ in this age and in the age to come. And yet we cannot be tempted to believe that we win anything by aligning ourselves with the power systems of this world. Was not Jesus himself tempted in the wilderness to gain dominion of, over the kingdoms of the world by bowing down to the prince of the power of the air. As we see in Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, you were once dead in your transgressions and sins, which you once walked in, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You remember that temptation. If you bow before me, I will give you dominion over all the kingdoms that you see from this precipice. And that was Satan tempting Jesus. And I believe the church, the people of God, you and I, we run the risk of being tempted and aligning ourselves with a power system that was never ours to cling to. We cannot think for one minute that this world is saved by the dominance power structures of this world. You can't fix what's broken with what's broken. Any dominion you, you and I will experience in the advancement of the kingdom of Christ is going to be won through laying down our lives in humble and compassionate servanthood on behalf of others. Victory comes as we choose to take up our cross daily. So we too find ourselves in this juxtaposition between being a people who have dominion and authority and have been graced with the very living presence of Christ in these like jars of clay. We hold this treasure and we have been made whole and justified by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And yet we can never consider that any justification for wielding a power or dominion or any sort of like dominance, hierarchy, authority stuff that the world thrives in and shall I say dies in. The wars we see on the planet are the direct result of this. So as we enter this advent of Christ in the communion, the anticipated coming of the Lord, 
who was and is and is to come, allow me to please read the prophecy of Isaiah in chapter 53. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrow that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. For us all, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. And yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep in silence before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. Friends, the ancient of days, knowing full well what was required of him to deliver us chose to be born in humble circumstances, chose to become the servant of all. And as I have been discovering for myself personally, that is the great victory. Him being born in a manger, him being born knowing full well that he was relinquishing his divine identity for the sake of becoming a human and relying and depending entirely on the grace of his father and the empowerment of the spirit that indwelled not only upon him but within him and it was that very spirit that raised him from the dead and then he chose to share that with us what an amazing gift so friends i want to pray and then as we move into a time of taking the elements of this communion, we do this in remembrance of Jesus and the full scope of his coming. So pray with me if you would, please. Jesus, you have astounded us with your goodness and we don't even fully know you. We have glimpses, we hear whispers, though we might think we know a lot, you are far above anything that we could ever think or imagine. And your generosity towards us extends beyond what we, we could even ask for. And so we thank you, God, for all the ways that you're meeting with us here in this place, all the ways that you're encouraging us by your sovereignty and your power and your might and just the glory of who you are, Christ and you are choosing to meet us 
in our humble circumstances. You're choosing to meet us in our pain. You're choosing to meet us in our confusion, even in our brokenness and sin. You have chosen to meet us. And so thank you, Jesus, for all the ways that you're revealing yourself to us. And Lord, we want to know you more and experience you in your fullness. And so Jesus, come and bless this bread, which represents your body that was broken for us. Bless this cup that represents your blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you, God, that we are the recipients of your great promises, and we receive them fresh and new today. Amen. Amen. And I want to draw back to the statement I made. I made a pretty blatant statement just like 30 minutes ago. You become the God you worship. If you think God is stingy, that might answer some of the reasons why you feel stingy sometimes. If you know God is generous, that might help you understand why your heart is prone to give. And I'm not saying just money. I'm not talking money here. I, did, I said something uh, that, that was pretty profound, like thinking in terms of like if you think God, if you imagine like your image of God is this wrathful, distant, then it kind of justifies like your distance or perhaps your judgmentalism or perhaps whatever, whatever. I wasn't saying that in the context of Jesus as the Ancient of Days. He is not that. But for some reason, we have these distorted images of God, and I know why. Part of it's because the accuser is not only accusing the brethren, he's accusing the firstborn among brothers, which is Jesus, to our hearts. He accuses Jesus to our hearts, and he misrepresents him. And if we agree with that, then we're kind of like headed down a path. Hi, Anna. Wait, who's that? Nope, that's Tessa. Hi. So, um, so anyway, all that to say, I want you to help me out with this song, Okay. Oh, you better watch out. <laughs> you better not, what? Cry. You better not. I'm telling you why, because Santa Claus is coming to town. What's he doing? He's making a, and he's checking it. And he's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. Friends, God is not Santa Claus. He's not checking that list twice because, honestly, if we've agreed with that in some way in our heart, then we will not know how to deal with our own naughtiness, our badness. And what that does is it creates an opportunity for us to actually split on the inside and deny anything that feels inconsistent with who Christ is, because we just want to be good. Meanwhile, Holy Spirit's got the big bright light. I want to see all of you, even the parts that you think are broken and weak and inconsistent and sinful and naughty. I want to see that, and I want to meet you in that. I am not making the list to consider who I'm going to be nice to. Guess what? He's going to give sweets and good things even to, well, all of us. Isn't that liberating? Because if our image of God is that, then we become that. And then when we see the bad in another, guess what we do? We're making that list. 
Uh, now I've gone to meddling. Did I say someone or did I say your spouse? <laughs> Ouch! That's why commitment is so important. Because when we do see whatever we see, and we're tempted to run, we have something that anchors us to one another, just like God is committed to you. And when he sees that stuff, he's anchored to you. And he's chosen, he's chosen you. In light of all that stuff, and so uh, that was my big point, uh, God is not Santa Claus, so don't treat him like that. And don't treat yourself like the recipient of good or bad things based on your behavior. Receive the great gift of Christ in light of your humanity. So with that, let's stand and pray. Jesus, we have nothing but gratitude in our heart towards you, even though there are places that we may not understand you fully and we may be even confused. And so, Lord, I pray that this season would be a season of realignment of our hearts towards the truth of who you are so that we can see you clearly and that you can inform our hearts of how we can be in the world. And so, Lord, we thank you for your great commitment to us that while we were yet sinners, you chose us and you died for us and you came to give life and life to the fullest. So we receive that fresh and new right now and we thank you for all the ways that you'll continue that through this week. I pray for supernatural peace on everybody who like is kind of scrambling around this last week before Christmas, that you would just remind us to take some deep breaths and receive your great gift. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, feel free to drop us a line at Fellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org and be sure to like our Facebook page.